1: And welcome back to another episode of Two Girls, One Ship, the podcast where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. I'm Genesis, the girl who wants to say up front that our normal scripts are about 16 to 18 pages long. My girl poured her soul into this one and has 22 pages and had to restrict herself. To only 11 clips. (laughs) Um, yes. And
0: I'm Pravada, the girl who has, I guess, um, a lot to say about tonight's topic.
1: (laughs) So if you're new here, welcome to the beautiful chaos. But you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of fucking
0: or from the deep emotional connections built between two or more characters using specific in-game dialogue. So if you want to stay spoiler free, then this is not the podcast for you. And especially this episode in particular for the whole series of Dragon Age. So please do not listen if you don't want to be spoiled.
2: So here's your fucking spoiler alert.
1: Thanks for the spoiler alert, N7, and just like with all of our previous episodes, we'll assume that you have some background knowledge of the game and character in question, but we'll be providing context for those of you who may be unfamiliar.
0: Oh my gosh, so excited. Today, we are still in Thetis, but our time there is slowly drawing to a close. We only have two more romanceable characters to discuss, I'm so sad. And we saved our personal favorites for last. Today we're venturing past the waking realm and into the realm of dreams, the Fade. The world beyond the veil that mages tap into for their magic and that, at least according to the Chantry, is teeming with demons ready to possess unsuspecting mages and run rampant through the tangible world as abominations. There are some mages, apostates if you ask the Chantry that do not abide by this fear-based use of magic. One in particular has a very intimate understanding of the Fade and the Veil itself. I am so excited to finally be doing this episode. We are talking, of course, about Solas, Fen'Harel, he who hunts alone, the Dreadwolf himself from Dragon Age Inquisition.
2: I've journeyed deep into the fade in ancient ruins and battlefields to see the dreams of lost civilizations. I've watched as hosts of spirits clash to reenact the bloody past in ancient wars, both famous and forgotten. Every great war has its heroes. I'm just curious what kind you'll be.
1: Ah, Solus. We are going to be discussing Solus from an omniscient point of view. That is, we will discuss him in a way that accounts for his true nature and motivations. Or at least what we presently know to be true. Of course, the next game may change what we think we know about this very deceptive elf. But we're going to do our best. When we first meet Solas in Inquisition, he passes himself off as some wandering apostate. With a particular fascination and knowledge of the Fade. While this isn't untrue, it isn't the whole truth either. That's something Solus does throughout the game and the all important Trespasser DLC. Solus lies by omission, he can say he never told you a lie because he only ever offers up a truth that will not reveal himself. But this is still deception. He journeys to the Inquisition to try and help close the breach because he has unique knowledge of the Fade, or at least that's what he tells you. He actually created the Veil and remembers a time when the separation between the Fade and the waking world didn't exist. The time of Elvenon and the Ancient Elves. He is from that time. He is Fen'Harel.
0: Before he was Fen'Harel, he was just Solas. Usually, we talk about a character's backstory and origins in the beginning of an episode, but today's different. We don't really know how he grew up because it was in a time before Thetis. The world he lived in was starkly different from the one he woke up in centuries later, perhaps thousands of years later. During his time, the Elven lived in constant contact with magic. They did not age, every elf could wield magic, and the Veil did not exist. Spirits lived alongside the Elves or what they called the Waking World and Dreaming World. The top-tier mages were the Evanurus, what modern elves call gods now. They might as well have been gods, for how powerful they were. Of the Evonuris, only one was not greedy and power-mad, according to Solus, Mythal. Mythal and Solus worked on a plan to stop the Evanurus from subjugating their fellow elves. Solus became Fen'Harel, the Dreadwolf. First an insult to him, and later a badge of honor this radical leader wore with pride. Solus used his immense magic skill to lock the Evonurus away behind the veil, and was immediately thrust into his Uthenera, his long sleep from the power
1: drain. The years passed. Solas slept all the while. He was not unconscious, though. He was active in the Fade keeping tabs on the new world through dreams. He did not realize the extent of the veil's effect on his beloved lands from beyond the veil in the Fade, however. He could still talk to spirits, still saw magic, and learned about the newer world events from the dreams of the people. Eventually, he woke up from what he calls a dark and dreaming sleep. A year before the breach opened, and when he awoke, he saw his worst nightmare. He had realized with increasing horror that creating the veil was not the permanent solution he thought it was. And when he went to unlock his orb, the magical artifact that honed his magic, he realized he was too weak to wield it. He left it where Corypheus and the Venatori could find it, and he hoped that they would unlock the magic for him. The shock at the state of the world left Solus feeling that the only choice he had was to try and undo what he had created, to unmake the veil in order to restore the world to what it once was.
0: Yeah, that's a, a big mistake Solas made, one of many. Just leaving the orb or Corypheus could find it. He very much underestimated him. Let's just leave it at that. And we still don't have a good answer for what he planned to do about the Evanurus should the veil fall either. Solas says that had he not locked them away, they would have destroyed the world. So this is a valid question. Like What would have happened if he brought down the veil and they just come back? in their absence and in their place, had grown a similar power, the Tevinter Imperium. Much like the Evanurus before them, they were ruled by powerful mages, their society relying on the use of slaves, their cities built upon the bones of Arlathan. Solas was a part of this ancient elven court of mage gods, but he is not remembered fondly. Fen'Harel is the trickster god, and his name is now a curse. May the dreadwolf take you. May the Dread Wolf Never Hear Your Steps, and By the Dread Wolf are often uttered by Dalish Elves. Solas can actually only be romanced by an Elven Inquisitor, and that background is always that of a Dalish Elf, Lavellon. Knowing Elvish and modern Elvish culture won't earn you any brownie points with Solas, though. You are Dalish, are you not?
2: My people come from the elves who refused to surrender when humans broke their treaty and destroyed the Dales. Your Keeper was not wrong about that, at least. We must mark the occasion of the Dalish remembering something correctly. Perhaps we should plant a tree. You insult my people. They insult themselves. Remember, I have walked the memories of the Fade. I have seen the history the Dalish imitate. The Dalish are trying to restore elven history. If you know something new, share it. Would your clan listen to what I had learned in my studies? My travels? Or would they mock the Flatir and his stories and go back to their ruins? At least you were asking. But here's something. I will
1: answer as I can. As he hinted at, Solis's approval can be gained by being inquisitive. But you never really get to inquisit him. Not really. But he looks down on the modern Dalish Elves. They remind him of exactly how far the Elves have fallen, at least to him. While no modern Elf remembers the Elvenon as it was and exactly what the truth is, to how they started aging and why they lost their culture, they wouldn't look at themselves and see disappointment the way that Solas does. He takes it personally because it is personal to him. It's his personal mistake, his own regret. Was it worth it to make the veil and seal away the Evanuris just for yet another empire to come in and snatch their freedom away? Is the world state really any better with the veil in place? There is still slavery. Still subjugation of the people. Still powerful groups lording their positions above others. Solus created the veil. So in a way, he created abominations. He created the opportunity for darkspawn. He created the blights. We don't usually discuss character flaws this early on, but also, the characters aren't normally named for their fatal flaw either. Solus actually means pride in Elvish, and that is his downfall. Another word for it? Hubris.
0: You know the whole story about like Icarus is making those wings out of wax and flying too close to the sun? This is like if he did that and then remade the same wings and flew back towards the sun. (laughs) It's so frustrating. A huge challenge to knowing exactly what his motivations are is simply that his view on morality is extremely gray. He's so neutral and willing to see all sides to something, as long as it doesn't include taking away the free will of another. That is the one thing he really cannot abide. But as a mage, he doesn't have a strong opinion one way or another on blood magic. He doesn't see spirits as innately harmful or dangerous. And his first tarot card is that of the Hermit, which marks him as separate from the normal machinations of society. The Hermit represents a period of introspection, a time when self-reflection is necessary, but when the card is reversed, it means loneliness, sadness. He has spent his Uthenera in the Fade, seeing the multifaceted realities of what happened out there in the waking world. An easy way to earn approval from Solus is to simply be curious and ask questions, which is something I encourage in general, but especially with Solus. He won't let his mask slip
1: without your curiosity and friendship. Visually, this card features Solus, hooded and cloaked, facing the viewer with a determined, and almost saddened eyes. Half of his face is obscured by his cloak, and in his right hand, he holds a small flame close to his body. His left hand is gently holding his staff upright, and the rest of the card is very dark, with only a halo of light around his head and some intricate magical designs. It shows how the world has really pulled inward and rests in his mind, both from his long sleep in the fade, and from his current world view. I know V has talked many times about Byronic heroes, named for Lord Byron, who wrote many of them. A Byronic hero can be defined as a proud and moody man, defiant and miserable, who scorns others, and yet possesses an undeniable magnetism and is capable of deep and strong affection. Take this example from one of Lord Byron's works called When I Roved a Young Highlander. As the last of my race, I must wither alone and delight but in days I have witnessed before. Sounds a lot like our boy Solace, huh? tell me about the old memories you found in the fade
2: i saw a young canari working in a simple kitchen baking bread as she was ordered every morning in every loaf she broke the rules she'd take a pinch of sugar and fold it into the center like a secret and this act of small rebellion brought a shining smile across
0: her face i love that clip i love all his stories about the fade jen wrote me a note in her script actually saying she had to just Quote, trust me on the why for why I wanted this clip in here the why is simply that I liked that this is something worth telling the inquisitor to solas this is a memory he deemed important what a simple memory and yet he highlighted it for you because it shows what he values most rebellion free will self-determination this ideal was the basis of his becoming fenharel in the first place he has started In such a well-meaning and honorable place. But now, like with Anders, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Solas is a baronic hero for sure. Someone who is good but feels desperately inclined or forced to do bad things, deeming them necessary. A radical who possesses a rich inner world. If only you're willing to see it. Lavellen is that special person who can. As the hermit, he is also wearing a mask, hiding his true nature. But we can catch glimpses of what life in endless dreaming sleep must have been like.
2: In a fade, I see reflections created by spirits who react to the emotions of the warriors. One moment, I see heroic wardens lighting the fire, and a power-mad villain sneering as he lets King Caelan fall. The next, I see an army overwhelmed, and a veteran commander refusing to let more soldiers die in a lost cause.
1: And you can't tell which is real?
2: It is the Fade. They are all real.
1: Not only is this clip cool because it calls back to the Battle of Ostagar and Dragon Age Origins, when Terran Loghain pulled his army back and King Kaelin and the Wardens were all wiped out. But it is also Solus literally telling you a truth about him. The Fade. In the Fade. All things are real. Because all feelings are valid. What he watched through his thousands of years of dreaming sleep were not historical record of events, but memories. The spirits reacted to the emotions, and in places with intense emotions, those images burn all the brighter. The Fade is a land of dreams, not reality. Solus could manipulate it to his will and see what he wanted to see, not necessarily the truth. Of course, when he awoke to a foreign, alien world after thousands of years of being a god in a dreamscape, he would be coming in hot with the superiority complex. This is not an excuse, but a reason. We cannot discuss this romance without also discussing Solus' ultimate goal, bringing down the veil.
0: Solus will be bitter and resentful towards the mages and elves of modern day and sees most people as just ignorant children bickering over black and white scenarios, mages versus templars, spirits versus demons, elves versus humans, etc., He says he had tried to reach out to the Dalish Elves and others to teach and to help, but was derided for his efforts, being called a liar and a madman. He's not usually a liar, but is he mad? I think he might be, a little, after all that time stuck in the fade, after waking to see elves like Sarah shirking their heritage, or worse, elves pushed to the wildlands, clinging to false memories of their heritage. He must have gone mad with grief, with guilt and shame, at the state of the world he created. Of course he would believe the only way to fix it is to undo what he did. It's in hushed whispers all over again. All that matters is resetting the world to before the mistake, to making it right. This is a big criticism of Solas that I've seen, I've seen a lot, (laughs) online, People have often called him racist because of the remarks he says about other races in Dragon Age, like Kunari and dwarves. And while they're not nice, I don't think it's racism per se, so much as just a general belief that no one currently is real. No one now is worth what once was until Lavellan.
2: I told myself, one more attempt to seal the rifts. I tried and failed. No ordinary magic would affect them. I watched the rifts expand and grow, resign myself to flee, and then... It seems you hold the key to our salvation. You had sealed it with a gesture. And right then, I felt the whole world change. Felt the whole world change? A figure of speech. I'm aware of the metaphor. I'm more interested in felt. You change everything.
1: Sweet talker.
2: We shouldn't. It isn't right. Not even here. What do you mean, even here? Where do you think we were? This isn't real. That's a matter of debate. Probably best discussed after you wake up.
1: Well, shit. I didn't think he had it in him. But damn, Egghead can kiss. By calling him a sweet talker, you initiate a kiss by turning his face towards yours. The Inquisitor begins to back up, but there is a sultry as hell look on Solus's face. He then grabs you by the waist and gives you a backbreaker. One of those passionate kisses that is so full-bodied that you start to bend backwards by the sheer force of will being imposed on you. He pulls back to let you breathe. And he shakes his head and... He wants more. Another quick kiss just to leave the lingering idea in your mind because this wasn't real. Well, that's debatable, but still it's actually a little sad that the first time he's truly seen someone worthy of note in this new world He can still only comfortably interact with her from within the fade. It's where he feels the most himself. I
0: obviously love this scene. (laughs) Um, Yes, to everything you said. I love that there is an element of the chase here of daring him to act It's something that isn't really present in the other romances so much. Because he's pulling away. Obviously, we know why now, but I certainly didn't when I first saw this scene more than 10 years ago. Or 10 years ago, I guess almost. It came out in 2014, right? Yeah. It's as if Lavellon is able to see past Solus's carefully crafted exterior all along. Not enough to see that he is literally Fen'Harao, because why would she? But enough that she can see his obvious attraction to her. he doesn't do anything so she swoops in she physically turns his head when he's looking off in the middle distance dramatically trying to separate himself even in the fade and she kisses him first the camera angle conveys this too at first pointing at solace from behind her back but then shifting to behind solace as he kisses her his body nearly engulfs hers which is a feat considering solace is no iron bull but I think it's alluding to the power dynamics here. Some have said that Solus cannot romance Lavellon, like ethically, because he's far older, wiser, and just more. I think they still can, and I will explain in more detail later. It's fine if you don't think so, but I think they can. I think Lavellon holds an immense power over Solis that he never anticipated, and ultimately it is great enough that he must push her away. It
1: frightens him. But we'll get there. We're not there yet. I will also talk about the power dynamics here, but from a much different standpoint than V. Solus's personal quest is called All New Faded for Her. And I just love that title. And it requires the Inquisitor to track down one of Solas's friends. A Spirit of Wisdom. The spirit has been summoned against its wishes and from the Fade, from the Fade, and Solus wants to help it before it could become a demon. When we arrive at the location of the spirit, we find it has been made into a pride demon. Some mages summon the spirit to protect them from bandits, and being twisted against its pure, true purpose of wisdom... It became a demon. That's how demons are made, according to Solus. Spirits don't want to become demons, but they are affected by the emotions of mortals, and mages especially, who hold the power over the spirits through magic. The best way to finish this quest is to get rid of the binding pillars, to revert the demon back into its true form, as a spirit of wisdom, so Solus can say goodbye.
0: He will head back to Skyhold on his own to mourn his loss, but Lavellon can seek him out and assure him that he no longer has to be alone if he doesn't want to. He has friends now, which is important, I think, to note. Lavellon doesn't become the only person he sees as a person, as real, but he has such a good friendship with so many of them. He doesn't seem totally aware of this, even as he pleasantly agrees with her. I personally think that Solas doesn't really understand, at this point, that this is the real world. Having dreamed for so long, I think at first he believes this is just one horrifying possibility for the world that he can correct. Haven't we already seen that, just in this game alone? Magic is immense power. And Alexia showed us through time travel what a world would be like when the breach opened up fully, just a year in the future. Doesn't Solus just think this is one dream within a dream? Does any choice have that much consequence? Does any life hold value when it's not actually real? After millennia of darkness, his heart full of guilt and fatalistic determination, he sees her, perhaps this doomed world a world of tranquil to him, isn't all bad after all.
2: What were you like, before the Anchor? Has it affected you, changed you in any way? Your mind, your morals, your spirit? I don't believe so. Ah. Why do you ask? You show a wisdom I have not seen since, since my deepest journeys into the ancient memories of the Fade. You are not what I expected. What have I done that's so surprising? You have shown subtlety in your actions. A wisdom that goes against everything I expected. If the Dalish could raise someone with a spirit like yours, have I misjudged them? The Dalish didn't make me like this. The decisions were mine. Yes, you are wise to give yourself that due. Although the Dalish, in their fashion, may still have guided you, perhaps that is it. I suppose it must be. Most people act with so little understanding of the world, but not you. So, what does this mean, Solus? It means I have not forgotten the kiss. Good. Don't go. It would be kinder in the long run, but losing you would. Arlath Mavanan.
1: There is a subtle dominance to Solus that is hitting some buttons. The way that he hugs you, his arms go over yours, pinning your elbows to your own ribs. He wants to hold you in place while he kisses you. And boy, does he. He gives another one of those passionate kisses that leaves you wanting so much more. And then he shares his special words and walks away. The Inquisitor longingly reaches out for him as he goes. Solace may not be the romance for me, but I'm starting to see it. At least you can see it.
0: (laughs) I could see Anders when we did Anders. (laughs) That's all I ask. But um, I I really actually did, like, swoon watching this scene again. I remembered why 10 years ago I fell for him. I I think it's also very interesting watching it back, knowing what I know now, what all of us probably do now, hearing him kind of hesitate on the word since. And then he says, since I was in the fade, you know, like, it's just so obvious how many times he almost slips up and admits, like, oh, Buck and Ovenon when I was a young lad in the ancient times, you know, like it's so easy for him to accidentally let it slip. At the end, Solus speaks in Elvish to Lavellon, who of course would understand it. But in case you don't, Arlathma vanan means essentially, I love you, my heart. Solus will call you Venan from here on out, which I love. I love, I love, love, love so much. And when you leave a conversation, he will say, "Direth Shirel which means safe journey. We have not yet unlocked his romance tarot card, though. The timing of that is very key as well, so we'll discuss it when it happens. You still have his default one right now. In the meantime, I wanted to talk about some of his party banter. Uh, like I mentioned, in retrospect, it's easy to see how Solas is practically wanting to shout from the rooftops, I am Fen everybody. I mean, he's literally wearing a wolf's jawbone <laughs> around his neck. It's giving Superman putting his glasses on and, oh, suddenly he's Clark Kent. Solis can hint at his past as a rebel leader and his experience in destabilizing the upper echelons, something on his resume that most people don't have, you know, as an apostate mage. I was thinking, do you want to read, like, Sarah or Solus for this little dialogue I put in here?
1: I feel like I could pull off a of Sarah. <laughs> okay, okay,
0: so me and Jen are going to read... Something between Sarah and Solas, so here's Solas, talking about the Red Jennies. Some of your forces, valuable until now, have no interests beyond creating disruption, chaos for its own sake. They must be repositioned where they can do no harm, or removed if necessary. You replace them with organizers willing to build a new system and carry out the ugly work that must be done. What? Why? What ugly work? That is up to you. Do you wish to disrupt the nobility, secure a title, Or change the political structure entirely.
1: None of it. I don't want any of that.
0: I do not understand you, Sarah. You have no end goal for your organization.
1: Nobles get rattled and people get payback. I play in the middle. Why not go
0: all the way? You see injustice and you have organized a group to fight it. Don't you want to replace
1: it with something better? What? Just lop off the top? What's that do? Except make a new top to frig it all up. I forgive me. You are right. You are fine as you are. Hmm. It's a saving grace that Solus will admit when he's wrong, right? He will do so in every instance but one. The most important one. It's endlessly tragic and Endlessly fascinating. It goes back to his wisdom fetish, his gray on gray morality. During the quest, here lies the abyss. When you physically go into the fade, the nightmare will reveal your party members' greatest fears. Solas is dying alone, and the demon will speak to him in Elvish. The best translation we have for what he says to Solus is something like, Talk to me, rebel. Your victory means nothing. Your pride begets your death. Solus responds in Elvish something like, Nothing is certain. But it could also mean, Nothing we do matters. Key phrasing. Whether it is all a dream just one possible version of reality or that this version isn't long for the world. Either way, it shows how Solus will not see the warning signs that maybe there is another way. Maybe he doesn't have to tear down the veil and doom the rest of the world.
0: I've always wondered if it would really doom the whole world too. Seeing as so many of them were there before the veil was up, like the dwarves and stuff. Anyway, I have no idea. We can't know. Maybe we'll know ten years from now when Dad comes out. Okay, wait. Linguistic moment. If you didn't know, I was a linguist in the Navy in a past life, so this got me excited. The language of the elves in Dragon Age is interesting because rather than being a conlang or a constructed language like Klingon or Quenya, it is a cipher, meaning that there is a letter assigned to each letter in the English language. This was done to give it some kind of consistency between writing teams and between games, but there are still gaping voids of knowledge, so take the translations with a grain of salt. There are other instances where Solas will tell you what he said in Elvish, but Also take those with a grain of salt, because Solus is an unreliable narrator. Potentially, it's really hard to tell. And there were many times where I wished to have a more detailed and bespoke reaction to an utterance of Elvish as a Dalish elf character myself. But as it is, the wiki page for known Elvish words in Dragon Age is rather short, unfortunately. But moving on... The Temple of Mithal and the vir Abellasan, the Well of Sorrow. Sorry for butchering the Elvish. I mean, honestly, like I just said, it's not a real language, so what do we know? There is a huge pivotal moment for a Dalish inquisitor in the Temple of Mithal, especially, but also just learning more about what happened exactly all those years ago when Mithal was killed. So very good mission for lore. Very
1: good. Dalish children grow up hearing the stories of how Fen'Harel murdered Mithal and sealed away all the other gods. But there are other ancient Elven in the Temple of Mithal who tell a different tale. Avalos one of the sentinel elves guarding the temple through the millennia, says that Fen'Harel had nothing to do with Mithal's murder. Morrigan is there too, of course. And it's kind of a weird moment in terms of cultural appropriation. Like if you don't want Soulless extra mad at you, you should let her drink from the well of sorrows. And her mom kind of is Mythal, or at least what's left of her right now. So is it right to let Morrigan drink? Or is she just another human stealing elven culture? Me, the Talvashoth-Kunari-Tempest Archer? I drink from the well.
0: <laughs> Talvashoth-Kunari-Tempest Archer. <laughs> I, the Lavellan dual-wheeled rogue, did not drink from the well. Um, Sola says something about Avalas that I liked. Um, he says he, quote, clings to all that remains of his world because he lacks the power to restore it. Hmm. So, you know, that shows you where his headspace is at before we actually know what his motives are. Before the party leaves the well, he'll also say this to Abelas, if he survives the assault in the temple, of course. If not, then he doesn't say this. He says, Malas Amelin Nehelam Abelas. He says it means, I mean, we, like I said, take it with a grain of salt, but he says it means, I hope you find a new name, because Abelas means sorrow. I think this has a double meaning, too, in hindsight. Abelos has Vallaslene on his face, or the blood writing, ostensibly marking him as Mythal's slave. So, what is Abelos sad for? The end of Elvenon? The murder of Mythal? Perhaps Solas is saying he will find a new name, because the cause of his sorrow will soon be over. Solas will take what's left of Mythal inside of Flemeth and try to break the world, or, in his mind, restore it. But there is something distracting him from that purpose, that fate, as he thinks. He'll tell you later on in Trespasser that he walks the Dinan Sheral, the journey of
1: death, and he thinks he must walk it alone. I wanted tangent on that line. <laughs> what line? <laughs> My shadow's only one that walks beside me.
2: okay what will you do with the power of the well once Corypheus is dead I'll use whatever power I have to undo the chaos that Corypheus and his allies have caused you would put things back the way they were before yes I mean not exactly I know what you mean thank you for what you have not been what I expected Inquisitor you have impressed me You honor the past, and work to recover what was lost, even if the cost is high. I respect that, and I am indebted to you for the reminder. Forgive my melancholy. Corypheus has cost us much. The Temple of Methal did not deserve such a fate. The orb he carries, and its stolen power, that at least we may still recover. With luck, some of the past may yet survive you're being grim and fatalistic in the hope of getting me into bed aren't you i am grim and fatalistic getting you into bed is just an enjoyable side benefit come with me (laughs) venon
1: okay so yes they have banged it's just off camera so this has to be the final romance scene for solace is it just before this scene, Solas will thank the Inquisitor for giving him hope of a better future. To keep trying at it, even if the consequences are grave. Lavellan couldn't have known what exactly he was referring to right here, but her giving him hope also destroyed any possibility of their romance continuing. But... Before we get into the infamous Crestwood scene, let's take a quick mid-break, hear some fun facts, listen to some sponsors of the show, and thank our patrons. Mid-break dance. I don't know what we're going to dance to. The Winter Palace Waltz. Does he get a waltz?
0: Gosh. Yeah, that scene with him dancing was wonderful. And I cling to that memory.
1: Okay. All right. Fun facts. Solis is voiced by Welsh actor Gareth David Lloyd, who was also in the show Torchwood and was in a metal band as the singer. And he's a big theater actor as well.
0: I'm not sure if his metal band is still active because their most recent album was like 2012 or something that I saw on Wikipedia. But don't quote me on that because I didn't look that hard. Uh, I was busy. (laughs) The next uh, fun fact. Wait, just before actually before I get into that. I I love love Solace's voice. Gareth David Lloyd, thank you so much for your amazing talent. And I can't wait to hear more when <laughs> the next game comes out. I have been waiting for a long time and I can't wait. Solis's mm-hmm. personal quest name, which is all new faded for her, is actually an anagram for Dreadwolf Fen'Harel. So that's fun. Um, I'm going to do the next cool. one because the other no. one after that looks like you wrote it. No, so. I know.
1: I, I, I intentionally <laughs> put that in the order oh, for you to read. Okay, okay. okay, you go to the next one then. <laughs> Solus was written by BioWare veteran Patrick Weeks. They had a lot of input from former leader, the former lead writer, David Gator as well.
0: Thank oh. you, Patrick, for writing such a great character. Just because I say he's a great character doesn't mean I agree with everything he says. Also, just making that clear. Okay. Or does. Doesn't? I don't agree with everything he says or does. But he's a very interesting anti-hero. Okay. Also, jen wrote this for me the hat that Solus wears to the winter palace um is one of the most ridiculous things she has ever seen i agree but i also think it's hilarious with how it's like his ears like clip out of it (laughs) i know it's so funny it's funny it's absolutely ridiculous what's what's funny about that is he's wearing that hat And yet being so quietly confident and tipsy in like such a sexy way about being around court intrigue again, you get such a glimpse into what young Solus must have been like at the Winter Palace. It's really cool. I like it.
1: Yeah. I don't know. He looks like a dork. But originally Solus was not going to be romanceable, but the year long delay in the release of Inquisition made him a romance option. So don't despair when games get delayed. The devs might be adding some more awesome shit.
0: Uh, I can only hope that the, one of the many reasons Dreadwolf has been delayed so long is that they're adding more soulless content for us soulless bansers. I need closure. Okay, so um, also this is one that we wanted to talk a little bit about, which is... Allegedly, Solis was originally supposed to be bisexual, but they had allegedly, like I said, cut that to avoid the, quote, duplicitous bi trope. Can you explain duplicitous bi trope for me? Because I think the wine is hitting. Oh, yeah.
1: So duplicitous bi's. Because we have the duality of natures, liking more than one type of person means that we must have duplicitous personalities with it as well so having somebody who like can a cheater? Mm, not so much a cheater but more of like the undecided or the person who's always oh. hiding something so well solace is but I'm,
0: i so i guess that's why they didn't make it by because they didn't want it to like reaffirm fall. that
1: trope that bad yeah. stereotype that by people are always hiding something
0: I wrote in here, like, in my mind, Solus is very realistically like a pansexual person because whenever he talks about what he likes about Lavellan, it's her spirit. He doesn't really talk about her. That's that's why I think it's, I think the reason that Solus was limited to an elf only, like, they said it was due to storyline reasons, but... I think it was realistically just due to time constraint reasons if they only added his romance in within the last year of development. Same with Cullen, I might add. Cullen was also added in late, and he is only romanceable by elven and human women, Inquisitors. I think making that choice was probably due to the scope of a Kunari body model and a dwarf body model, like all the extra animations they would have had to add into development to allow those romance scenes to play. Whatever, whatever, whatever. This is why, like, planning ahead of the romances is key and obviously not everything is possible early on what they they did amazing with the time they had i think but i also think limiting his romance to just the female elf character plays into the solace is racist idea a lot of people have because it's like well, why won't he romance anyone else well because he has a preference quote unquote you know like i think that's not necessarily true i think it's just a time thing but like i said to me the way he talks about his attraction to her spirit and then the sarah and blackwall dialogue about have you had sex in the fade and he like doesn't answer i think it's just like solace if he's literally had sex with a spirit i don't think he's preference like he's not preferential to just a female body you know
1: oh yeah no for sure Uh, And I definitely wish that we had more time to touch on that one because that was my favorite thing. My favorite party banter was Blackwall and Sarah digging at him like, you ever fucked in the fade? And the fact that he doesn't answer, but then they jump on him going like, your non-answer is the answer. So he He absolutely... it's cute. it's cute. yeah.
0: <laughs> and he doesn't normally get flustered, so I think that's a, an affirmative. He has yeah. done that.
1: Totally has. All right, let's move forward. Um, Just a reminder that if you are using iTunes and especially iTunes on your iPhone, make sure that you are still subscribed to all of your favorite podcasts, including this one, because I have not had heard any updates that they have fixed the bug. where if you don't listen to a podcast after two weeks, it automatically unsubscribes you from that podcast. Stupid. All right. Spotify. Spotify, we are at 168 amazing star ratings. Please let us try and get that number over 200. Make my heart sing. Of course, in the middle of the show, we thank our lovely patrons. Toasty and Apollo. Becky and Daddy Bat Night. Stone Mystios and Muffiny Cake. Mackenzie and Wynn. Ovi, are you ready?
0: Right, I forgot to write something like that. <laughs> um I am I'm less ready than I normally am because I know what's happening.
1: Are you mentally prepared for this? I am. Okay. Let's go then.
2: Alasa Malarevas. You are free. You are so beautiful. And I am sorry. I distracted you from your duty. It will never happen again. Solas. Please, Fennan. Solas, don't leave me, not now. I love you. You have a rare and marvelous spirit. In another world, Why not this one? I
0: can't. I'm sorry.
1: V put in the notes that this was the sex scene for me to break down. But I'm sorry. I don't think this was their moment. Before the audio, there is some hand-holding and face touches, even a kiss, and he's hugging your arms to your side again. And we do see his hand rest gently on your ass, which is a nice touch. But while with other romances, it fades to black, and it's left to interpretation of what would be next. This scene, the dialogue continues. There isn't a left to the imagination moment. This clip is when Solis removes the Valis Lynn. Similar to Colin's romance, the romance culmination scene is separate from their physical connection scene. Now, you can opt not to remove the vaseline. However, removing it more fully aligns with the canon version of events here. If what Solas says is true, the Valeslene were slave markings and every elf served one of the Avenurus. Solus, when he became Fen'Harel was a liberator he removed the vaseline from the slaves when they were freed. So having it removed was in itself a mark for Fen'Harel. A bare face showed you were liberated by him. Similarly, the greatest way Solas could declare to the world that he loves Lavellin is to remove her vaseline. It's not that they were slave marks, not now in modern theaters, but it's that he alone can take them away. And he will only offer to remove the Vaseline if you've romanced him.
0: There are other dialogue options to choose from, but I think this version of how the scene goes is the best at illustrating the truth of the matter here. Patrick Weeks has said that at this moment, Solis was about to tell Lavelle everything. Give up his whole mission to, quote unquote, save the world. All of it for her. Cole, in his infinite wisdom and compassion, puts it plainly. He says, he hurts an old pain from before when everything sang the same you're real, and it means everyone could be real. It changes everything, but it can't. <laughs> Dude, listening to this scene just brought me back to me 10 years ago with my heart breaking. What frustrates me the most is that he refuses to let it change, to let himself be swayed. There is this rule in math for probability called Cromwell's Rule. And it essentially means you must allow some room for every possibility. It is named after Oliver Cromwell, who in 1650 wrote to the Church of Scotland before the Battle of Dunbar saying, quote, I beseech you, think it possible that you may be mistaken. How I wish Solis would consider the possibility that this world of Thetis is real and matters, And while he can mourn the loss of Elvenon, it isn't worth destroying another world.
1: Of course it's not. That's why the pride will be Solus's downfall. If he is unable to be swayed, he adamantly refuses to see any other path. Or is it that he truly cannot fathom another path? Solakin, you're breaking my heart. You're going down a path that I cannot follow. Solus has always seemed grim and fatalistic, as he said, and also saddened, like he feels almost forced to follow through on this quest of bringing down the veil. That is the key difference between Solus and just some evil villain in another story. Solus doesn't actually seem evil. He has very valid flaws, and there are a lot of people who dislike him for valid reasons. But it's more complicated than just, Soulless is bad. That's what makes his character so enduring and interesting. His motivations are still mostly unclear, but it is obvious through his romance that he is capable of true affection. It's also clear that he can recognize when he is mistaken, like in that earlier dialogue with Sarah.
0: Just apparently, not when it comes to this. Once again, I I truly feel that Solas doesn't actually think of this world as the real one, like the actual reality, merely just one possible version of a world that he wants to avoid at all costs coupled with the guilt of feeling extremely responsible for what is and for what happened to what was, I can understand why he feels he must try to change it. I extend my empathy because I know that everyone's behavior makes sense to them, even if it doesn't to me. I disagree with people who label Solas as a racist due to his plans. There's actually quite a lot of people out there who think that, even going as far as comparing him to Hitler. I... Disagree with that, of course. I what Solus is doing is not right to the actual people of Thedas, but I disagree in that there is a racial component to it. There is racism in Dragon Age, of course. We see it a ton as elven characters, and even with our elven companions, with Solus himself being introduced as the Inquisitor's servant at the Winter Palace. Solus does have a harsh opinion of the Kunari. Not because of the Gunari themselves, in my mind it's the rigid cune that they follow. He hates slavery more than anything, that's kind of his whole background. (laughs) It's not the specific races of Thedas Solas cannot abide, but the world itself. He sees its destruction as simply a necessary evil to right a wrong. We watched Leliana sacrifice herself to ensure that Dorian and the Inquisitor could go back through the portal and restore the correct timeline. This isn't different, not to Solus. Of course it's different to us. We know that this is
1: the real world and it's worth saving, right? Yeah, I don't like the comparison of Solus to Hitler. He doesn't want to destroy everybody else but his own kind. He just kind of wants to reset the world back to where it was. There's a difference. Now... We defeat the big, bad Corypheus, and the orb is destroyed, of course. We get one more interaction with Solus before he leaves the Inquisition to continue on his quest. Solus,
2: The orb. I know you wanted the orb saved. I'm so sorry. It is not your fault. There's more, isn't there? It was not supposed to happen this way, no matter what comes. I want you to know that what we had was real.
0: Gosh, there's such real grief in his face and in his voice in this scene. Listen, if if we go off of what Solace in the game tells you, we have to take him at his word. He seems to genuinely care for Lavelyn. We have what's called the word of God in... Trope world, but we have confirmation from BioWare, specifically Patrick Weeks, who wrote Solace, that he does actually love Lavelle. Genuinely, truly, his love for her was almost enough to sway him. Almost. I think this shows in the game, too. I didn't need Patrick Weeks to tell me Solace actually loved my Lavelle. Solace is such an interesting character and one of the best, well crafted villains. Complicated not wholly good, but not evil either. What I see in him now is the possibility of redemption. That's what gives me hope. What I saw in him before he broke up with my Lavellon and broke both our hearts ten years ago was a quiet confidence, intense intelligence, and a strong compassion towards all people and spirits. The night by the pool where he he removed the Velesleen took me by complete surprise all those years ago. I never expected him to break up with me or to be the real Fen'Harel. That's what makes this romance everlasting for me. What other game option can you think of where the game lets you unknowingly romance the antagonist? It's such a
1: bold move. Technically KOTOR, because you were the original antagonist. Hmm. Yeah, it seems
0: Bioware's like to play with that for a while. I still, yeah. it's a little bit different with solace I think, but it totally is. But the that's big, the f- the big reveal of like you or someone close to you being the big bad is definitely something they're good at.
1: Yeah. Uh. Yeah, that's just the first thing that popped into my mind because yeah, I can't think of any other ones. But let's fast forward two years, and we're in the Trespasser DLC. Big giant spoilers! <laughs> Solas has many agents all over Theodos, and it seems he has only grown in power since we last saw him. Solas aids the Inquisitor secretly against the Kunari plot, trying to destabilize the Inquisition, and eventually track him down. If you've gathered enough clues on the way there, you'll know ahead of time that Solus is Fen'Harel or you listen to this podcast and you already know. Otherwise, he'll tell you. This is a long monologue for Solace, basically finally laying out the truth to you. The benefit to romancing him is that you get insight into his inner conflict in a way that non-romanced inquisitors don't. Here is an example of that. During the Trespasser DLC.
2: You must understand. I awoke in a world where the veil had blocked most people's conscious connection to the Fade. It was like walking through a world of tranquil. We aren't even people to you. Not at first. You showed me that I was wrong. Again. That does not make what must come next any easier.
0: If you were wrong multiple times already, Solas, Why? Why must you continue to think you're right in this one very big way? I don't understand it. <sighs> of course, two years of working in the real world and knowing that these are real people have not convinced him to stop. Somehow the closest he came to stopping was that night when he offered to remove the vaseline. Romanced or not, even befriended or not, Solas will remove the anchor finally from the Inquisitor during this monologuing scene. Although the process is a lot more enjoyable if you've romanced him.
2: There's still the matter of the anchor It's getting worse I know, Venan And we are running out of time <laughs> The mark will eventually kill you Drawing all you here gave me the chance to save you At least for now Solas Valaver Suladin I wish it could, Venan My love. I will never forget you.
1: It was this one. This is finally the clip where I was like, well, fuck. All right. There's so much pain and anguish in Inky's voice. And then the way that she says, far of love, fear Suldin. It's just like, damn it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, dude, I was bawling when I first played this DLC. And it's so unfair. Like, it's so unfair. It's so much worse if you romance him too. The way I felt betrayed. For those of you who don't speak Elvish, Lavellan says, meaning our love will overcome, or perhaps our love will find a way, something to that effect. And he says, I wish it would, you know, he doesn't think it would. All our companions in Inquisition are faced with a choice that we as the player can help them make. But Solas made his choice thousands of years ago and is living with the consequences. Despite living in what he perceives as a doomed world, He still befriends your companions, falling in love not only with Lavellon, but with Thetis itself in a way. The frescoes in the rotunda show this. His new romance tarot card reveals this. This card only appears after he breaks up with you and stays through the end of the game. Everyone else, if you didn't romance him, gets the imposing and tragic tower card. The tower represents crisis, unforeseen change, and destruction. In this card, Solus is dwarfed by the Dread Wolf looming behind him, stalking his every move, a chain around his spirit. Instead, the romance card is the Hierophant. Hierophant? Never know how to say that. And his card represents tradition and conformity. Rather than remake the world, what if he just conforms to it and lives simply as Solus?
1: The romance card is peaceful and beautiful. Solus in a forest caressing the leaves of a golden tree, his eyes closed. A white wolf stands beside him, facing the front of the card, the viewer. But Solas, he faces towards the left. And if you place the Lavellen card and Solus's romance card next to each other, they face each other. Both of their eyes closed. A tree is spouting from Lavellen's hand. Perhaps the golden tree, Solas, is seen caressing. The white wolf is obviously his alter ego as Fen'Harel, the dread wolf, not Geralt. But it is tamed. It is not a dark and frothing thing, churning with anger, burning its six eyes. But a normal wolf. And yet, it is still there. An ever-present reminder of what Solus feels is his duty. No matter what, he answers to that wolf by the end of Trespasser. And we'll just have to wait until Dragon Age Dreadwolf comes out. Hopefully, Solus will see that this world is worth keeping. And remember this great quote from Angel.
2: Nothing we do matters, and all that matters
1: is what we do. I had to. I had
0: to. (laughs) Oh, I'm so happy you did. (laughs) I didn't know she had that one for the listener. But now, now we can finally (laughs) invite our guest onto the show, because we have a guest tonight. We need her to add some more to this already long episode, just a little bit. There's just too much to say when it comes to this character. I did not get to say everything I wanted to either. So welcome back to the show, Cloudy Atlas. Yay! Hello, beautiful. Hello. Introduce yourself to the listeners.
3: I am Cloudy Atlas. Um, a fellow mancer, Manson, also
0: insane. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Secretly my anyway.
0: my say, um um um, cloudy.
1: What you guys are both <laughs> wearing identical <laughs> necklaces of the boot that Solas wears around his neck.
0: Well,
3: and I also have a sweater that I bought in high school that I discovered is identical to his. It's even got slits on the side, of the vents. So I was like, well, gonna have to wear this. It's even got a turtleneck.
0: <laughs> I love it. For those of you who don't know, me and Cloudy are somehow the same person, (laughs) which is why she's on this episode. We're taking over. And I'm also like
3: three glasses
1: in. Oh, God. (laughs) How am I sober? This is awkward and weird. Maybe I'll go see if Um, I have any beer in the fridge.
0: Yeah, I guess while you do that, Cloudy, give us your origin story and how you came to love Inquisition oh so i actually
3: only started playing dragon age barely a year ago so i wanted I, okay so after i played mass effect i was like i need to fill the void i need to play dragon age origins and i tried i i tried my best and i couldn't get through it so then last year i was really bored there was like kind of a dry spell of games and i was like i Dragon Age two so i started there and then they're like Okay, I should try again with Inquisition because I tried that one previously and it didn't really click because I didn't understand the lore really, but playing two really helped me understand three. So then I played Inquisition, I romanced Colin the first time. Uh, at win's behest, I'm calling you out. <laughs> and then the second time, I actually have it in Discord. I went all the way back to 2022 it was on 10-6-2022 I messaged me and I was like so what's your like deal with Solace and you sent me this massive wall of text and I was like oh that sounds interesting I'll, I'll definitely try to romance him for you and then I lost my mind so <laughs> it was my top steam last year I had like
0: 400 hours starting in October oh my gosh I lost my mind too I need to scroll back and see what I sent you like the insane person I am <laughs> I mean it's not like I when when Jen was like let's have a podcast about video game romance i was like i can't wait to talk about solace like she only wanted to do mass effect but i immediately was like well alistair too both of them but solace especially but speaking of solace did you learn anything new from listening tonight or no yes
3: because you guys picked some dialogue that i don't normally pick i normally go just like like, a really nice simple route um you went with some one of the combative ones i never heard that dialogue and i've seen a post before somebody did an analysis if you're rude to solace he tells you more about his plans because he just thinks you're so stupid that you'll never be able to stop him and none of that but if you're really nice to him
0: he tells you absolutely nothing yeah that's true I, i know we're gonna get into this but let me ask these questions first um are there any key factors that you think we missed or things that would have brought more depth to his romance? I guess this is a weird question for Sola specifically because his romance, unlike the others is so tied to the main plot in a way. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, there's only one thing. And I, I noticed it when I did the romance for the second time, uh, the scene where he actually breaks up or we he moves your Dallas lane the motion he does to remove it is actually the same movement you would do to lift a bride's veil. And I find it very ironic that that is the movement to remove it because it feels very like binding in that sense of him like marking you essentially by removing this. And then also like veil, veil, wedding Ooh. kind of like movement. And no one has really commented on that. And I don't know.
0: I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> it's no, sex scene. It's, No, honestly, that's, <laughs> so so jen did say that she thinks because he commented like he made that flippant joke of like oh it's getting me into bed as a side benefit haha but like he says literally in trespasser if you say like oh he'll say like oh may the dread wolf take you and she's like and he did take me and then he'll be like no i didn't want to lay with you under false pretenses which you know it's like an old timey way of saying sex but To me, that says they never actually did. And I prefer to think of their romance as a chaste one. So not only does that make me respect Solus more because he knows he's a liar and he wasn't going to make you that. He was trying to not break your heart, even though he still did. And I also think that scene was like the equivalent to a sex scene. It had, and we actually got to see it unlike most people's sex scenes in this game where it just fades to black. It had such a gravity to it, and you could. It was so reverential the way he handled her. That's what I meant when I said she had power over him. That's why he pushed her away.
1: Yeah. Okay. And it's just so good. It's so sad. (laughs) Uh, Mama just poured herself a big glass of tequila. So let's get this party started. (sighs) I don't. Okay. You really think that they never had sex?
3: Okay, no. So after I did the romance, I immediately messaged Dave. It I was like, do you think they did? She was like, let me break down the notes. And she literally brought out a dialogue and was like, see here, exhibit A. And I was like, oh my God. And then she gave me a thesis.
1: Okay. I mean, I kind of understand. <laughs> Don't mute yourself while you're laughing. Keep the laughter in the track. <laughs> I do that too. That's so funny. <laughs> um, I... Okay, can we at least agree that they did something a little bit further than one ass grab? Because there's a lot of things that you can do be- besides full penetrative sex to have a deeper connection and bond.
3: I have seen a lot of opinions that, like, the scenes you see are it, and that's a very, like, hidden relationship, like, in the terms of that kind of thing. Like, you're only talking that often? <laughs> that's because yeah. you don't know how long acquisition is. It's like, what,
0: estimated like six months, maybe? I think it's actually more like a year 18 months is what people have said. So mm-hmm. I definitely don't think that the cutscenes scenes are, are it for any of the romances. But I don't think, I don't think he, I still don't think he really had sex with you. He definitely kissed you and his scenes are very sensual. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, my biggest piece of evidence is that he literally says, I do would not lay with you under false pretenses. Like there's only one meaning to that. And that is penetrative sex. Of course he did kiss her and there was definitely a physical attraction, but it didn't start there. Like, I just think there were so many more intellectual talks and like flirty banters more than physical affection, because also this is not something he's used to anymore. He's been intangible for thousands of years in the fade like he's not physically in the fade no one does that except for that one time when darkspawn were created and then that one time in hushed wish in hushed whispers in the game and he even is like oh wow we're physically in the fade wild you know (laughs) like it's just not a thing so i just don't think physical affection is something he's like used to anymore plus half of the kisses you get are in the fade yeah the first one is the first two as far as i remember oh no three he breaks up with you and he kisses you first
1: never mind okay so a a third a third Uh, of them are in the he also kisses you right before he chops off your hand
0: well okay he gently disintegrated it let's get that straight and also like he was kissing me while he was doing it like you said but he had to do that it was killing you hmm
1: no, no, no. I'm not saying that he it wasn't valid. He definitely yeah. had to go. Yeah. I don't know.
0: I don't mean you could think this is what the headcanon's all about. You can think whatever you want. I wish they did. I wish I wish I could believe that they did. I want to. I wish.
3: You could argue he gets a hand job at the end because he takes her arm.
1: <laughs> totally gets a handy. <laughs> See, Cloudy and Cloudy and V might be twins, but you are also my soul sister. (laughs) Yes.
0: (sighs) Oh, okay. We already know you didn't pick him first, but what made you go ham over him, like become a fangirl like me? I don't even know. Cause I
3: knew what was coming. I knew he's like, in my mind, I went into being like, he's a shit bag. Like, I hate this guy. And then I lost my mind and I don't know what happened. Like, how did we get here? <laughs> it's, I don't even know what happened. And I'm tired. Like if I'm being entirely honest and I think it's because like, I'm a love language kind of person, like, or was it words of affirmation kind of thing. Mm. And it's just, he talks a lot. He's, he probably has the most dialogue with any of the companions, and I just, I just really like that. I had the hardest time getting his approval the first time, and then the second time, I just realized you needed to ask him questions. So I was like, oh, I've got this in the bag. And then I tried to play Kunari, and I was like, I'm going to do a speed run to see how fast I can punch him in the face. And I ended up doing the Templar quest, and I ended up choosing everything he approved of. And I was like, damn it! <laughs> I keep up choosing
1: his approvals. Ugh. Oh, Yeah. Oh, can you? Hmm. Can you hit Solus if you are in a romance with him? Like, can you get pissed off enough at him? No. Okay.
3: Uh, you'd have to drop his approval really hard, but I don't know if he breaks up with you at that point. Can they break up with you if they low approval? Yeah, I yeah,
0: don't
1: I know. Because that like would I also said, be this, something that we would need
0: to touch know. on if. Yeah. Well, our show is not a romance guide. I don't know. Y'all can look it up if you try to figure out how to romance him or how not to. I was just trying to analyze his character. And the best way to do that through the romance is to have high approval. So I don't look at the low approval stuff. Half the time you can't romance him if that's the case. So I have no idea. I mean, for hitting him, I see why people want to punch him. I don't believe in physical violence so I, I would never, even though I'm very upset with him. And he's, it's just, it's very frustrating for me, this whole thing, this whole thing. Because the, the thing for me is like, I I don't want to defend him. I don't want any of this to come across as like us defending Solus's choices, but rather provide context for why he's making them. Because I think that's very important to understand we can't just be like, oh, I dislike him. It, I mean, it's a story. You're supposed to get involved in it, especially if he's going to be such a big character in the next game. You should probably want to understand in his context for full enjoyment of the game. Um, if you, it, I think it's a waste of precious artist time to just say like, ah, eh, he sucks. I just hate him. There's so much depth added to him. Like, I just think it's it's simple-minded to do that. It's, you don't have to like him. You can hate him. I still think you should see what's going on there. There's a lot of people who miss out on a lot of things because he's like, I know you said he tells a lot more of his plans if he hates you, but he's also so snotty and mean and horrible if he doesn't like you. So you get a Mm -hmm. completely different soulless experience. Mm -hmm. So I think it's worth it to see how he is when he's nice to you.
3: Well, speaking of the physical violence, when he breaks up with you, if you choose certain dialogues, uh, her response is to shove really aggressively. And I don't like the shoving. I'm not pro that. But her dialogue with him is fascinating because it's a, tell me I was some cheap dalliance. And it's like, he's like, I can't do that. And it's just like, the whole dialogue is so sad. I hate the fact that it's shoving is involved because otherwise I would totally go for that one. She just sounds so devastated. She's like, tell me I was one, like, just like a side piece pretty much. And he can't bring himself to do it. And it's
0: really yeah. sad. That's what's yeah. so tragic. It's the definition of star crossed lovers. Like he does genuinely love her and then yet feels like he can't be with her. And he's just creating his own shitty self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm so pissed. That's the thing is, it just sucks. And and for me, that's what's so fascinating about him is like, I see that little kernel of the possibility of redemption and i pounce on it like a cat because and i do that with everything that's why i romance to star in too like i'm just like oh baby boy there's a bit of sunshine are you a rose covered in mud i will save you you know like i will help you i don't want to help him take over the world i want to help him by making him stop and i really hope we could do that but yeah, oh, I also don't... You
3: can don't... offer to help Solas, too. That's yeah. Who picks that man? I want to meet those people. <laughs> yeah,
0: the people know. who are like, oh, I'll take over the world with you. Like, you can say that in Trespasser. I didn't. I, I want to stop him. But like, you could say that if you wanted. I don't oh know. Oh my I god.
1: Am I, I, I must be the weird-ass fucking player out there because my Kunari was like, yeah, if you would have told me from the beginning, I'd help you restore things back to way, the way that they were. Why... Why not let me into your power? I've been at your side for over a year now, being your best friend, you dickwad. Like I, I, hmm, hmm. So I don't know. I, know. I, so many I we didn't even
0: talk about like his, like the Masked Empire and Taventer Knights and like all these outside of the game things that he's been in, trying mm-hmm. to like telling you where it's going, kind of, and what he's been doing, and. Obviously, not related to the romance, so we didn't talk about it, but it's still relevant to him as a person.
1: There's a lot of Sola's background. (laughs) This whole half of this thing might be a bonus episode. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: I know. I know. I hate, I hate. We just, there's too much to say. I feel like I didn't get to say everything I wanted to. This writing the script was a nightmare. I want to pay like homage to the people who hate him because I understand it, but I want to at least let them think that they've been heard by me acknowledging that they exist. You know, <laughs> I get it. I, I also don't do it though. Like I, because I can see that he's not innately evil, he's worth saving or trying. You can't, you can, This is the whole lead a horse to water thing. Oh, actually there was one thing I wanted to say um, because I always want to throw in Fall Out Boy lyrics really quick. Um, that, feel applicable the song from Folia adieu which happy 15 year anniversary Folia adieu um one of my favorite albums it's what a catch donnie and the lyrics are i got troubled thoughts and the self-esteem to match what a catch what a catch and all i can think of is the way i'm the one who charmed the one who gave up on you and yes if we're talking song lyrics
3: i actually have one in mind as well i forgot to mention it until right now Okay, I have to pull it up because I don't know the lyrics off the top of my head. So, if you're a romance soloist, my argument is this is the perfect song for it is called Foreigner's God by Hosier. If you have not heard this song, it's incredible. <sighs> it was my song of this year. Uh, the reason I choose this one is the lyrics are, uh, the perfect creature rarely seen since some liar brought the thunder when the land was godless and free. Her eyes look sharp and steady into the empty parts of me, but still my heart is heavy with the hate of some other man's beliefs always a well-dressed fraud and <laughs> it just keeps going and it's it's such a good song. First of all, Hosier's amazing. Um mm-hmm. and second, that I could not have summed that up better cuz like when the land was godless and free are you kidding me?
1: that fits perfectly in Hosier's voice. I can hear when I know the song so I can hear it playing in my head. That is just perfect.
0: Mm-hmm. I love awesome. Hosier so much and that is a perfect song for Solus. And yes. So hopefully if you don't like Solus and you've made it this far in this episode, you might might just have an inkling to give him a second chance. Not to not to give him a pass. He doesn't deserve it. That's the thing. It's like that's why I wish we still had the friendship rival romances like we did in Dragon Age 2 right here cuz Solus would really do well from a rivaled romance, be challenged and hopefully changed and if not you know like we're gonna hold him to account like we did with anders so mm-hmm.
3: and to all the people hesitant to be like oh i don't want to try Sol's romance you don't have to
0: sleep with him yeah <laughs> like it's don't. fine or just just watch the videos on youtube or maybe even just listening to this episode you heard some dialogue you never heard before because you weren't a dalish elf girl <laughs> flirting with him you know yeah Yeah. and also oh sorry go no go for it you go you're the guest (laughs) uh
3: the ugly hat oh yes there's a whole reason for the hat so you can actually craft it it's called the helm of draska um but the notable thing about it is it still has the wrap kind of around it but it covers the wearer's ears so that means he cut holes to put his ears out which in orlay feels like a very big middle finger gesture. As he wanted to show them off he did not have to do that it goes under the wrap uh the other thing about the hat is the history behind the hat is the draska were an order of warriors founded in the ancient anderfels to revent- resist the tevincher imperium i can't talk right now i have reached the point of wine but basically it was an anti taventure group against slavery so he's wearing this hat to say fuck you to the religions and the Taventure magisters probably And he probably stuck it past Josephine, who did not approve that for the outfit. (laughs) It's just a big old fuck you. And if you've seen Scary Movie 3, it looks like the giant foil hats with the giant Hershey kiss hidden inside of it. And I always assume it's chocolate.
1: (laughs) Hmm. Hmm. Okay. I like that. I like that stupid hat has a big middle finger in it. I respect it a little bit more. I still go on record saying that I think physically it looks a little ridiculous.
3: But I I mod the hat out. (laughs) I I take the hat out. It's called, what is the mod called? It has a very, very silly name.
1: Love it. it? Eggs Without Hats. (laughs) Eggs Without Hats. I guess we should explain why I said, oh, fuck, Egg Daddy can actually kiss. Um, That is his nickname on the internet because of his bald head. Now, I also have installed a mod for my next playthrough where it kind of brings concept art Solus into the game. I have that mod. No, gosh. That's how I play
3: the game. I play it with modded Solus. I don't play it with Eggman.
0: See, this is how I know I'm demisexual, because his bald head does, I do not care. I love him so much. It really, it doesn't bother me at all. Don't care. He's got that riz. It's good for me.
1: It's not that I can't find something attractive about Solus. I can. That's, that's my whole thing, is that if I can find one physical feature about you that I find attractive, then therefore you are attractive to me. But... Concept Art solos hits like 20 different buttons Ooh. instead of just yeah, like yeah, one yeah. or two. That's what my Guardian in Baldur's Street looks like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she sent me a screenshot of her Guardian. It was Concept Art Solus. And he, yeah, he's great. I like to imagine that was like little baby rebel leader Solus. This is why I'm like in love with Johnny Silverhands because I love me a radical. Oh,
1: yes. Mm. Love it. I also use alternate Johnny because he's that one mm, with the shirt open and that long hair off to the side. Mm. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) All right, Cloudy, do you got any, uh, last minute solos facts or things you wanted to say? No
3: facts other than I'm just so nervous. If the next game's even going to come out, if they're going to address anything, um, is there going to even be a conclusion will the inquisitor even be in it like and oh i feel so bad for everybody who played this when this came out because i've Mm. only been like suffering for like a (laughs) year i can't even imagine i saw a meme it was like me to the 2014 solo smancer's like i'm going to the store do you need anything it's just the crying cat giving the thumbs up like
0: (laughs) me okay I was in the Navy still when this game came out, I took a week of leave and played the whole thing through that week of leave, which is vacation time for you civilians out there. And I, I, I have never been the same. I've been affected. I have been waiting so long that it feels like a part of my core personality has been broken by solace and remade and now waiting for some closure. That's what I feel like. And so for them to name the game Dreadwolf and to feature him in almost all of the early teaser trailers up until now, if they don't give me some kind of closure, my heart will be forever broken by Bioware i won't I won't know what to do with myself. and then this last teaser trailer having some other antagonist voice in
1: it that wasn't Solas's, I don't even know who that was. It was multiple voices. Every different, like, city that they were showing and talking about was a different leader. So we don't really know who. No, but, like, the one saying
0: the obvious evil line, I can't remember what it was. Because I only watched it, like, twice. But it was definitely not Solus. And Solus wasn't in there. And I don't know what I'm going to do. I need a way to... Once again, I just... I hope we can redeem him. Help him redeem himself, honestly. That's the healthy way to do it. Give him some space. Give him the opportunity i think
3: think the choices are going to be kill him like dead or kill him and he ends up back in the fade and can't be used for the rest of the game because he is too op he can show up in your dreams and kill you no thank
0: you he doesn't show up in my dreams to kill me he just like creepily watches me (laughs) from the trees off in the distance as a wolf that's what. okay it edward the epilogue oh
3: i was like are we still no, talking okay. about you or are we talking about love no, love
0: <laughs> Ellen, Ellen. no like in the end epilogue it was like yeah. oh you know sometimes in her dreams she'll catch a glimpse of a wolf off in the distance and try to get his attention or whatever yeah, yeah.
3: i showed that to queso and he was like that is not respectful of her boundaries yeah i know i don't
0: i was like i know what they were trying to do with this but i, I don't like it 'Cause yeah, it does it does give Edward Cullen, which makes me immediately hate it. So
3: Oh, I did get the Dragon Age vinyl that arrived this week. Uh, the end of the trespasser track is the last one. It's the last song on the vinyl, and it th- then goes into the Dread Wolf theme. And it is the creepiest song I've ever heard. It's like the sound of like a cave or a mine, and then you hear a, a music box playing. And it's super creepy. It's a hidden track on the vinyl. It's called Dread Coda.
0: Well, oh, Coda is a music word for something. Do you know what it is off the top of your head? I just think of Latin. It means bear, right? No, Ursa. Yeah. What's Coda? Oh, a Coda, an ending part of a piece of music or work of literature or drama that is separate from the earlier parts. Yes, of course. That's what it means. Mm. Okay. I feel like I need my smoking
3: pipe. It's not with me. <laughs>
0: yeah um okay well that's solace thanks We we need to wrap this up because our weekend's going to be long
1: at this rate <laughs> all right um i guess our last question for you cloudy for the night is uh do you have anything that you want to shout out or plug
3: no i'm making a sweater <laughs> oh i want to believe it's an x-files sweater yep. x-files
0: that's what <laughs> i always say when i'm like talking about magic or ghosts and stuff i'm like i want to believe just like Boulder. i need to see it though
3: yeah Ugh, just like dragon age 4 i want to believe it exactly. yeah for real
1: <laughs> you're gonna wear that to alien con this year
3: uh yeah i'm gonna melt it's gonna be in june and i'm gonna melt
1: Now, if you like what you're hearing, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes or on Spotify and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can now find me on the Cyberpunk Lorecast with my co-host Toasty, where we explore the foundations of the past, the state of Night City today, and the news of the future for all things cyberpunk. Check out Scyther Audio's newest fan-made production, The Avengers, the audio drama where you can hear me. You can also reach me in our Two Girls, One Ship channel on the Robots Radio Discord and give us a follow on all the social medias and on Patreon.com slash Two Girls, One Ship. Our theme music was composed by the ever talented Pipe Man Studios and our artwork was designed by the esteemed Let's Not. Links are in the description. Sorry, I'm laughing because out of fucking nowhere, a... New software is available from Apple. So it looks like iTunes is getting an update, guys. We may have our two week subscription thing solved right here, real time.
0: That's good. Um, Unrelated, I'm also on the Robots Radio Discord and on our own Two Girls One Ship Discord server where we nerd out, wow, on all our favorite CGI significant others. Be sure to check out our live streams on Twitch on Fridays at 10.30 p.m. Pacific Time. Eastern Time. Wow. (laughs) 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time. Our broadcast episodes release on Mondays because you need at least one good thing on a Monday. So thanks for listening. And remember. Beauty is in the eye of the controller. Unless you are playing on PC, you can install the concept art solace mod. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Or you can send us an email using threecountthoughts at gmail.com. Okay, are you ready?
2: Ring the bell.